Bucks Nation, the podcast representing the best fans in college football. Now, here's Tyler and Jerry. What's going on? Welcome into the Buffs Nation podcast. I am Tyler Walgy. He's Jared all to my right. Jared, what's going on? Oh, not a lot. Tyler, just enjoying this fall weather out there, my it friend. It is football weather. There's no doubt about that. Now let's just hope the Buffs start playing some football. Yeah. That's the other part of it, right? <laughs> all right, so uh, we'll get things going here. We're going to have a bit of a vent session of last... It seems to be the routine now. We vent yeah. about last week, and then we preview the next game, right? It's pretty good. Uh, and, and, and slowly but surely, the sky is starting to fall here, Tyler. Yeah, I think you're right. Special thanks to Woos Media. This is a Woos Media production, but they also do online marketing. If you own a business, know someone who owns a business, and you want the top-of-the-line digital advertising, check them out online, woosmedia.com. That's W-O-O-Z-E media.com. All right, Jared. So I know last week we kind of talked about, uh, well, here, I brought this sound clip in because I want you to start off this week, and here's the thing. Uh, No, 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 you go ahead. I got to get my thoughts together. I need to think for a little bit. I'm going to cool off for the first uh, minute or two of this thing. What did you think of CU at Washington State? (sighs) Tyler, the Buffs are in a bad spot right now. Um, Defense can't stop anybody. Offense can't finish off drives. What does that lead to? Back-to-back losses of 30 points or more. Uh, it's getting ugly right now. It's on, on the on the verge of the season, really going off the rails. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of blame to go around. I know, I, I imagine, just based on some of the text messages I got from yeah. you over the weekend, <laughs> we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Steven Montez. So we're going to save that one for now. I want to touch on a different topic. And uh, yes. something that goes actually all the way back to our conversations at the end of last year, as Mel Tucker was getting hired and he was putting together his staff. One of the questions you and I asked each other on this very show was, how concerned are we about the people Mel Tucker is bringing in on his staff. A lot of guys that didn't really have a whole lot of pedigree, a lot of guys that were working underneath Mel Tucker already at the time, and I think we both had a little bit of a fear that that he was hiring yes-men, guys that were just going to go along with whatever he said and and maybe wouldn't quite have the pushback. And, and I think right now my main concern is what I'm seeing, particularly from the offensive side, from this coaching staff, it's, it's a coaching staff that I just – don't see them putting players in a position to succeed. I, th- I think that what a, a good coach, a good play caller does, understand the skill set of his players and puts his guys in a position to maximize that skill set. And, and I'm just not seeing it right now. And, and I think it goes no further than to look at LaVisca Chenault and his lack of use within this offense. It's, it's frustrating to see. Looking at LaVisca Chenault, Chenault right now, per game so far in 2019, he's averaging – Four catches, 57 yards. Compare that to last season, over nine games played. He had nine and a half catches and 112 yards per game. Right now, I'm not seeing the effort to get LaVisca Chanel involved in this in this game plan. I'm not seeing a focus on scheming to get him open. And I think that's a mistake from a coach that needs to understand. We all look out there and we see what Steven Montez is doing. Kid is struggling, okay? I think he's playing the worst football that he's played since he's been a CU buff. That's three years as a starter. And so how do you help a guy like that? You've got to give him opportunities for easy plays, get the ball in your hands of your playmakers. So right now, I have a major issue with with what I'm seeing from this vanilla offense 
performance we're seeing from Jay Johnson with no creativity and an inability and unwillingness to break away from what he wants to do or the balanced attack they want to get. Get the ball in the hands of your playmakers and let them make plays. Yeah, I broke the cardinal rule and I texted you before the show. And Jared and I usually like to wait until we do the podcast to get everything out there and talk about it, but I couldn't help myself. I just simply couldn't help myself. I started going off about Steven Montez and how upset I was, and that is what you responded with is, yeah, maybe so, but you were really unhappy with the play calling, the development of this offense, so on and so forth. Is there anything aside from LaVisca Chenault? I mean, that's obviously a huge key, and you can look at those numbers and say, this is pretty concrete. Now, I did think they overused him last year, but there's a lot of middle ground between last year what we saw and this year what we're seeing. So is that really the only... uh uh, no, I you mean, want to see more Lavisca. Yeah, more Lavisca. I, I think another guy that I would really point at as 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 a budding star in this offense is Alex Fontenot, a guy that has put up good numbers so far this year. He's averaging about five yards per carry, which is a very respectable number. He's only getting sixteen rush attempts per game. Yeah. Why are we not leaning on this guy as a bell cow? Utilize him as as a way to take some of that pressure off of Steven Montez. And I think we can all agree. And and, and if we, as we kind of turn turn the page here to talking about Steven Montez and how he's fitting in this offense. That, I think, is part of the issue here with Steven Montez. It, it goes beyond, we know, we've seen over the last few years, his skill set. Well, but but we, we, we've seen how good he can be, and he's a talented quarterback, but we haven't seen any development with anything that... Look, a quarterback, when you go through it to 8th grade camp, you learn... Don't step in the bucket. Don't step, and that's a term I learned from Gary Barnett this weekend. And and, and the thing is, he's talking about uh, I, I, again for those who are new to the show. I know we don't have that many new listeners week over week and week, but uh, tell your friends we like to always grow the show. But for those who have listened, you know that when I watch the away games, I like to watch the broadcast and I, or the telecast, and I sync it up with the radio. I love to listen to Mark Johnson and Gary Barnett. And Gary Barnett's just, again, he, you can tell he's really frustrated with Montez, as am I. And he's talking about, you know, he goes, well, there goes Montez stepping in the bucket again. And Mark Johnson goes, we elaborate for those who don't know what stepping in the bucket is. And say it's just simply when you're stepping to the side, not stepping towards your target. You want to step towards the target. Good form, good technique. That's what you learn before you go to high school, right? Montez has survived so long on this just... Le- Throwing off the back foot because he's been so talented, because he's so good. But now, senior year against Pac-12 competition, you can see that he hasn't gotten any better. He's not going through his progressions. He's not driving the ball to his receivers, which is simple, simple things. But didn't you know, particularly his mental processing, did you not know going into this year that was Montez's biggest weakness? Well, I I thought that maybe a new quarterback's coach, N.J. Johnson, because that, that, that could have been the argument the last couple of years. Under Mike McIntyre, the quarterback's coach at that point, wasn't developing Montez, wasn't getting him to go through the reads. And I know this guy's new, but... How I mean, for for quarterback coaches and people who I've talked to who are coaches or experts or know a lot about this, they said it takes about three throws <laughs> before you're coaching guys up or telling them not to do this, not to do that. And there's one of two things. There's either the coaching staff, Jay Johnson, who's the quarterback's coach slash offensive coordinator, either he's not telling Montez or Montez isn't listening. But either one's not acceptable, right? Either one, either way, it's like get him out of there if he's going to keep making these mistakes because net net. When I texted you this weekend and I said, this is BS, get Montez out, you responded to me with, well, who are you going to bring in? But I think that at a certain point in the game, I and I understand you can't just blame 
everything on the quarterback. That's lazy, and that's what people who really don't know a lot about football do. But that doesn't mean that that can never be the answer. And so what I think we're seeing with Montez is he's making so many bad mistakes that it's putting this offense and, frankly, defense in horrible situations. And I think if you have a guy out there, let's say Tyler Lytle, who goes out and, and just, and, and let's face it, he was in horrible conditions in the rain. They, they're throwing the foot. You're talking about a horrible play call. He's throwing the football out there. You're killing his confidence when he gets out there. That's terrible. But if you, if you put him out there in, let's say, an ideal spot, right? Maybe this weekend, USC wouldn't be a bad spot. And you just, conservative game plan, ask him not to make too many mistakes because the mistakes Montez is making aren't trying to throw the ball into a window, right? I'm okay with a typical interception. I'm okay if you run a slant pattern and the linebacker fakes a blitz and drops back. That's fine. What we're seeing with Montez is in in, in the red zone, now, six or seven interceptions, he's three, He's just lobbing the ball up. And there's no care of the football. But what you just talked about is if you bring in a backup quarterback, you are going to scale back the offense, simplify a little bit. I don't need to bring in a new quarterback to do that. They need to <laughs> scale back this offense. They're asking too much of Steven Montez. Should he be able to handle these things, Tyler? Yes. What, 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 what are they asking him to do He's, he's being asked to... Playing an offense, complete eight-yard yeah. passes, yeah. right? Be a be it's a college-level quarterback. Not no, what I'm saying, what, what what I'm getting at is in the scheme that they're in in this offense, a lot of playing from under center, a lot of deep dropbacks, a lot of reading the whole field. Three things Steven Montez doesn't do well. Put him in the positions where he succeeds best, where he's in shotgun, getting the ball out of his hands quickly, and maximize that. Understand what his skill set is and quit putting I, him in seen, that spot. I've seen play after play after play this season. Where you say get the ball out of your hands quickly, they're calling plays where the receiver's open, but that window closes in about a half second. So Montez isn't going through the progressions to get the ball out quickly. It's on him at that point. I mean, it's not like every play they call is is for verticals. I mean, there are plenty of plays where Montez just freaks out. I think he panics. Well, and I want to be clear here. I am I am in no way defending the play of Steven Montez. I, I like I said coming into the show here today, this is the worst I think Sounds he's like played. You're an I, I think this is the worst he's played. For the Buffaloes, but I don't put all that blame on him because what I see is a coaching staff that's just doing him no favors. And yes, Steven Montez is struggling, but this coaching staff, this this team around him can be doing things to help Steven Montez. I just think you're going to bring in the next quarterback, Tyler, and they're going to have just as much issue processing this. This is the first time they've ever seen this speed, this defense. No no quarterback on the CU, on CU's roster has what it what it takes, or excuse me, has shown that they have what it takes against college can, talent. Can I can I read you a couple uh, Facebook posts? Let's hear it. So I'm not going to you think we should, we we can't we're not going to read the people on here. We're, they're just posts. This is under one of the recent uh, CU posts under Colorado Buffaloes football on Facebook. And uh, by the way, we are obviously Buffs Nation on Facebook. Give us a like on there if you haven't already. But obviously CU uh, Colorado Buffaloes football is the official CU Buffs uh, football Facebook page. They post a lot on there pretty frequently, and folks just go back on pretty much any post that's been posted in the last couple days, and this is what you're going to get. This is just a random sample of random Montez uh, reactions, okay? And this is kind of the sentiment now, because you can get you can pick up a lot from Facebook and Twitter and kind of get a good idea of where the fan base is. Montez couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. At the very least, get Montez the hell out of there. Montez ha- is a tremendous arm talent, is fast... <laughs> this isn't very well written, sorry. Montez has tremendous arm talent, but quarterback is a fast-moving chess game. He's too insecure on the field to make good decisions. 
This one says, move on from Montez already. And one more, bench Montez, he sucks. Now, while we obviously want to come on the show and give more than bench Montez, he sucks, I think that that's completely wrong. I think this guy's too talented for his own good, and you need to hone that talent in. You need to focus that talent in, in a positive direction, and I haven't seen it from, from his freshman year. So that's my biggest issue, Is it, I, and I guess we do make the full circle and come back to the coaching staff, because this guy's talented. This guy's good. You have to help him out. And when he's not doing simple things that a quarterback should do, Yes, it's some on Montez, but it's a lot on the coaching staff as well. So it's just so much frustration with this offense right now. And how wrong was I saying the Arizona State game is the most uh, <laughs> the most important game of the year? Because if they win that, they're going to be springboarded into Pac-12 football. That was wrong. But it, uh, <laughs> and, and honestly, Tyler, as you continue to move forward, something does have to give here. And, and like I said, I don't think pulling Montez is the move right now. I don't think going I to think it, it's time. Uh, Tyler Lattle or, or, or Blake Stenstrom is going to be the you, answer You for see you. it everywhere else on this team. It seems like Mel Tucker, now that there's a few injuries on defense, he's like, screw it. We're just going, hitting the reset button. We're playing all the freshmen. Why not do that on offense? What What is there left to salvage? And that's what I was just, that, that's where I was going with that point is it, if you are trying to salvage a bowl season, a winning season out of this, Steven Montez gives you the best chance to do this. But guess what, guys? Steven Montez is not eligible to play quarterback for the for the CU bus next year. No. So you do at some point have to start to think about what the future of the CU bus looks like. Do you have a quarterback on this roster that you believe can lead this team next year? And if things continue to go in this direction, at some point you have to make that move because you have to start to look at the future of your program and know what you have going into next year. So we should give some uh, numbers on the on the game we're talking about. See you. We to, have to. Uh, we do. We do. See <laughs> you went to Washington State. Lost. 41 to 10. Uh, Max Borgie, who it was a story during the game. Max Borgie was a, uh, I think he went to Pomona High School. Yeah, we did this last week. Yeah, he went to Pomona High School, committed to the Buffs, decommitted from CU, decided to become a Cougar, Washington State. This was a statement game for Max Borgie 12 carries, 105 on the ground, and a touchdown. It's not like CU kind of gave him the middle finger, so it's not like he had a lot to prove, but. It, that stung, seeing the local talent. I mean, you see Christian McCaffrey doing so well. You see now Max Borgie. You see, I mean, even guys like uh, Austin Eckler, right, who went to Eaton High School in northern Colorado. So much local talent that you want him going to see you. CU has really missed out on a lot of that local talent that's now hitting the NFL level. It's funny. Like, you watch college football now, and there will be a random, I don't know, Penn State-Michigan game from last week, and you're hearing all about all these random guys from Colorado. Uh, what? What, what, what's going on here? Why didn't CU get some of these guys? And CU, I know they're primarily, one of the positives has been CU's getting guys from Florida, Georgia, that area. But something I didn't like seeing too much is this uh, game against Washington State. Okay, the Cougars came out about an hour, two hours before pregame. Shirts off, running around, getting hyped up. CU came out. They had heaters on the sidelines. The CU Buffs looked like a bunch of Boy Scouts on a camping trip around the fire. They were they were cold. They didn't want to be there. Part of what I always hear about Mel Tucker and the attitude and the swagger and re- hashtag relentless, it's like, what? I saw a bunch of people who were too cold and didn't and wanted to go get in the hot tub, go back to warm old Florida where it doesn't ever get cold. We're seeing a team that's ready to give up right now. I, it looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and, and the coaching staff, after the game, echoes that sentiment. Folks, you can learn a lot by reading... Uh, 
articles about you know the post game press conference, listening to the post game press conference, and seeing the way these coaches talk, the words they use, and they can be very telling without saying that much. And what Mel Tucker said last uh, after last game. He goes, you know what? There's going to be roster changes. We're going to find guys who want to play. What does that mean? That means there were a lot of guys that game that didn't want to play. They quit. They didn't want to be there. They were out there shivering, out there cold. And so that's not good. At least you want to see your team fight. And Jared, that's kind of why I came in so hot after the the Oregon game. It's like that's the first time we saw CU in a long time quit. I don't remember thinking last year at the end of Mike McIntyre's tenure, I don't remember thinking this team quit. I just remember thinking that's a really bad team, <laughs> you know? I never thought this team has given up, but that's what it looks like the last couple games. And it, it's concerning um, for the bus. This isn't the NFL, you know. This it's not one of those. Oh, oh well, better luck next year. The worse we do, the better draft pick you get. No, you keep losing games. You keep getting blown out. This is how you start losing recruits. Right. You start start to get these guys that don't want to be here next year that are considering transferring out. So you definitely it's a slippery slope here. And and I think one of the biggest things for me moving forward. And I'm I'm by no means ready to throw in the towel on this. Team. Team. There's still plenty of football left. We're barely halfway through the season. But what I really want to see is a team. I'm, I'm honestly less concerned about the number of wins you get the rest of this year. I want to see a team that continues this from this point forward getting better. This is your low point. Every week, I want to see the Buffs go out on the field, look a little bit better, look a little bit more composed, like they're starting to get it, like things are starting to click. And I want to see a performance at the end of the season where you go upset a Utah, upset a Washington. You know, even if that doesn't get you to bowl eligibility, I mean, don't get me wrong, this team is desperate to get back to a bowl. But that's what you're looking for. But you have to be competitive. You have to see these guys that are fighting all the way to the end. If we see another blowout here this, this upcoming week against USC... I don't know how much faith I have in this team to turn that around, and that does not spell good things for this coaching staff. No, I don't think so at all. And that you're exactly right. You just want to see the improvement. I think the underlying thing in all of this is Jared and I love the Buffs. You know, the the one comparison I've always said is I like the Broncos, I like the Avs, I like the Nuggets, so on and so forth. But the one difference is if any of those teams won the championship, right? When the Broncos won the Super Bowl, if the Nuggets were to win their first ever NBA title, if the Avs were to win another Stanley Cup, I would be so happy. I'd I'd throw a party. I would be I'd be elated, joy joyful. If the Colorado Buffaloes won their second national championship, I would sit in front of the TV and cry like a little toddler. I would be so emotional. I would. The Buffs are by far my favorite sports team that exists. And the reason why I get so upset is because you we have expectations. Now, no one expected eight or nine wins this year, but you don't want to see them quit. You don't want to see that. And so that's a direct reflection of the the... I mean the the personality of the team, you know, the who you reflect, how you represent yourself in college football. That was terrible. That's not what CU football should be about. So I don't want anyone to listen to this to think that Jared and I are just now on this habit and pattern of ragging on the buffs. No one wants CU to win more than Jared and I. And when we see this nonsense, frankly, week in and week out, there's a time where it's got to stop. So that's what you hear here is the, the pure frustration. I don't mind losing. I don't mind losing at all. I expected to lose to Oregon. I expected to lose to Washington State. But you don't want to lose 41-10 to 10 and look like bleep out there. You just don't. And that's my biggest issue. And I said this last week, and I'll say it again. Stop it with this whole, oh, Mike McIntyre's guys. Just wait till we get them out of here. Folks, one of McIntyre's strengths was recruiting. Okay? He brought in some of the best talent that's... 
that CU's had in decades. Look at our NFL draft picks when he was here. So don't tell me this whole, oh, wait till we get some players. We have players now. Okay, there shouldn't be this whole lapse in 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 in, in production. And it's not like you're bringing in a Chip Kelly or a Mike Leach who runs such a specific system to where, well, once they get their guys, because that's what I keep hearing. Oh, wait till wait till he gets his guys. It's like this is a good defense. We have NFL talent on the offense, NFL talent on the defense. And yes, there are some injuries on defense, which means younger guys are playing fine. It, the, the expectations should be dictated by that. Maybe bring your expectations down a little bit for defense since they're so banged up. But this offense, I keep hearing that, well, just wait till we get some good recruits in there. They have a, one of the best receiving cores in, in the Pac-12. And I'd have to go back and look at the preseason uh Pac-12, uh, All-Pac-12 team, but there were multiple CU starters on the All-Pac-12 yeah. preseason team. Exactly. So don't. It's yeah, funny uh, how that narrative changes. Oh, absolutely. And how everyone wants to. It's all the apology. It's all, either everyone who hated Mac, or like I was telling my, I was talking to my mom about this. I go, you know what? That sounds that sounds like the classic fan handbook. It's like, what are fans supposed to say when you hire a new coach and they're struggling? Let's flip to. Page 30, chapter 2, you're supposed to say, oh, it's the old guys. Give them a couple years to bring in his new recruits. It's like, no. And I always like to play this game. Okay, If one of the best coaches in the country came to see you, how would they be doing this year? Well, I know it's Mel Tucker. It's different. Play the game, though. Okay, If Nick Saban came to see you, how many wins do you think they'd have this year? Minimum of eight. Exactly my point. And so look at Jim McElwain. I always use that. He goes to the horrible, dirty, no good. I don't know why anyone would ever want to go coach in Fort Collins, but he goes to CSU. He's there for a year. They have 10 wins, top 25. Then he gets hired at Florida. Uh, you think that's a coincidence? There Was there anyone saying, well, hey, give him a couple years. It's so-and-so's guy. Oh, we haven't had a coach since. No, he went in there with the talent CSU had, won, essentially almost won the Mountain West, top 25 team. He got in, won, got out, right? I believe you have an elite coach or an elite offensive coach, elite coaching talent, you can take this this team, and at least you shouldn't be putting up 10 points against Washington State, 3 points against Oregon. That That's inexcusable. And I we keep kind of going back to the coaching staff, Jared. I think a lot of that is on that. Um, Jay Johnson, where was he before this? He was the uh, quality control coach for Georgia, okay, as so well was- as Tyson Summers was quality control defensive coach. So these are two guys that, Really did not. I mean, they have both been coordinators in the past. They've both been play callers in the past. But neither guy came in with this great pedigree. Like, oh, this is a can't miss guy. And 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 I'm just I'm afraid that you're getting uh, uh, coaches that kind of what it feels like to me right now. Tyler is this coaching staff is coaching and making play calls as if they're still at Georgia, as if they're sitting on a bunch of four- and five-star recruits, the best players in the country, that, you know what, we have, you know, when you look at what Georgia had over the last couple years with the the strong defense that they had, you could run out an offense like this. It didn't need to. It wasn't an offense that needed to go out and win games for Georgia. Right now, when you have a decimated defense with a bunch of young guys playing, and that's that's, let's let's just put it straight, they're one of the worst in the country right now, the way that the Buffs are playing the last few weeks, you have to put that on yourself as an offensive coordinator and offensive staff that, hey, we have to go out and win this game. We are going to have to manufacture points any way possible. We can't keep throwing out this vanilla, easy-to-defend offense that clearly is not confusing anyone except for Steven Montez. Uh, CU right now, you talk about their defense. Do you want to know what CU is ranked in the ESPN FPI, which is the Football Power Index Efficiency Ratings for Defense. I'm going to say over 100. It is 107 out of 130. They are six spots behind Colorado State. 
behind behind oh. csu rams you just like oh <laughs> uh, you just had i was having a bad day tyler and you throw that one out at i mean me. and you know the thing that stings is cu starts the season three and one and you're going this is good they fooled is, me jerry they fooled me again tractor beam <laughs> suck me right in and then they lose a couple games and before you know it we're back to the same was it you last week that brought up Groundhog Day? A couple weeks ago, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of what this is, is like, isn't it? It's just isn't the it? same season over and over and, again. And Tyler, I, I know that this is a very CU focused podcast, but obviously we're we're sports fans. Yeah. We, we we live in Denver. We also follow the Broncos too. It's getting depressing. Like you wake up Monday morning, <laughs> and it's like I, I have no motivation to get up, go talk around the water cooler, go chatting this stuff. Like you get into the office, you put your head down, you go, and you just start working. That's <laughs> the last thing i want to do monday morning is start working you know it's, it's killing yeah, me broncos haven't been very uh very good either have they <laughs> not really some positive news here in the last week mel tucker is starting to deliver on his early promises of bringing in good recruits uh, mel tucker and cu signed their first big name commitment in mel tucker's tenure you know who this is have you heard about this i believe so let's see where you're going with seen this. this heard about this that's a little South Park reference. So Mel Tucker extending his recruiting to Arizona. Chandler, Arizona, big-time receiver. They are bringing in um, Brendan Rice, son of Hall of Famer Jerry Rice. Brendan Rice goes to Hamilton in Chandler, Arizona, and uh, he was being looked at by Cal, Arizona, Arizona State, and Michigan, and ended up choosing the Buffs. So he's 6'2", 208. He runs a 4 Six two forty. Uh, he'll be big in CU's offense, and that was the first big recruit. So uh, Mel Tucker doing what he said he was going to do, and that that's a huge deal, actually, bringing I, in that kind of name. I think his dad was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, right. Wasn't, wasn't I bad. used decent. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Rice. Is I, I okay. actually was so excited when I saw that because Jerry Rice is one of the players that like that's what made me love football growing up, well, watching him play. And you like the way Jerry Rice go, went about the game of football. Yes. How I, I love how Jerry Rice his has handled himself in his post-playing career when he has TV appearances. Whatever he does, he's classy. He he always says the right thing. You know how a lot of uh, skill position people in football, whether you're receivers or uh, cornerbacks, right? There's a lot of divas in yeah. football who are receivers and cornerbacks. So, you know, Jerry Rice was never about, hey, it's all about me. It's all about the money, the right, right? He's all, always been about family, doing the right thing, the right, the, the right. I, I love that about a wide receiver. So, Jerry Rice, you know, you assume that that's going to get passed down to his son. He, he, he plays very good football. And that, A, he's a good player, three star who can honestly do some damage on offense. But, B, that's the kind of big name and splash that you need your first year at CU to Grounds start. Grounds national attention. Exactly. You want to start painting that narrative that, look, CU may have lost the last two games by a combined score of 86-13, to 13, but we're bringing in talent to compete. And as long as Mel Tucker can keep that message going outside Colorado, I think he's going to be fine with the locker room. Look, that honestly is one of the things that I think Mel Tucker, one of his strengths. You know, I believe he is a a motivator. Now, there's different kinds of coaches, right? There's strategist coaches who are so great with the X's and O's. You know, a Chip Kelly, maybe a, a Mike Leach, uh, and then there are guys who are more CEOs. I figure that's how Mel Tucker is going to be. He's going to be a motivator, getting the team ready, hiring a good coaching staff. Which, by the way, Jared, it's always tough to bring your friends into it, to bring people you know well into it. If there's a chance, it's not going to end well. And more times than not, there's a good chance it's not going to end well. And here's the thing. 
you have to have some element of trust in Mel Tucker's decision making. And, and, and look, I started a company, right? Jared, we've been, we've been friends for a while. I thought for a long time, right, about is this a good idea? Do we go for someone who's worked in radio? Do we go for someone? But I ended, right, we did some tests, podcasts. You sounded great on the, on the, on the pods. You know more about, about the buffs than anyone I know. It worked well, and I know your work ethic. I know we made it very clear. You told me what was required from you. I told you what was required from me, and we met in the middle with all these different stipulations and agreements, and, and I would say for the, the first three years, it's worked very well. We've gotten better and better. I, I mean, I'm happy. Are you... I would assume uh, yeah, that- and I think it, when you go into situations like that, it's it is kind of a, a double-edged sword because it can be so beneficial having people that you know and that know you and can really. Um, allow you to be yourself and you're not having to learn somebody from the start but, but, but you have to weigh the checks and balances is it worth that that kind of ease up front right because all that says to me is you're not willing to work with new people get new people he just got everyone all his buddies and brought them to town now that the season's gone this way do you think Mel Tucker has it in him to say hey I know it's been one year Jay Johnson see you though and and it's it's hard without us being in the locker His fa- room. Jay Johnson's family's moved. You know, you, you're finding new schools for your kids. You're finding new doctors, new dentists. You're you're doing. That's a lot to do to to ask someone to move their life and then one year you're done. I had a boss tell me one time. I think it's a great way to think about a situation like this: is be careful hiring your friends because one day you may have to fire them. Exactly. And are you prepared to do that to a friend of yours? Exactly. Can you put the business first and your friendship second? Yeah, and, and it's and that's tough to do. So, look, these are all questions that we are seven games into Mel Tucker's first year. I get that. And this is not a lack of patience by any means. This is all meeting expectation. And frankly, a lot of this back and forth right now is speculation that I think a lot of you have. I mean, are there going to be things that are done? I think that there should be. I mean, I would be quick to, to, to change things. But then again, we're not in the locker room. We don't know what's going on. By the way, Jerry, didn't we hear that they were going to split offensive coordinator between like the co-offensive coordinator at the beginning, and then now it's just Jay Johnson? Uh, I know Chevarini's very involved. I don't know that he ever got that title this okay, year. Okay, so it wasn't I, an official I, I, title. Yeah, I don't think they ever gave him that title, but he is is very. I think he's he may be the passing game coordinator. You know, they they like to create these subcategories within these these uh, but, those positions. But even so, sometimes to me. And I know we've prefaced all this with moving the family and right. And it's so tough because that's the human element of it. But then there's the other aspect, right? And if you do have to fire him and then you do have to fire your friends, usually it's not just because you decided overnight that you don't, you know, that, that, yeah, whatever, we're going to get rid of him. Like, like you hired him for a reason, right? Again, back to this. Jared, if I were ever to have to let you go, it's probably because you're showing up late, you know, getting complaints, you're dropping F-bombs, you're getting, you know, people... Oh, from, we can't do that? No, you can't do oh, that. People okay. from CU or people from, you know, listeners will start complaining every show... But then we would have a discussion. It would be like, look, this is why this is happening. And I think that that's where Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson may get. It's like, look, we've scored 13 points the last two weeks. These are okay. Well, Oregon's a good defense. Washington State, there's no excuse. There needs to be more production. So at the end of the day, it's production based. And what we are hoping right now is that this is the conversation that's going on behind closed doors. Don't you hope that's right happening? Now, Absolutely. You know? and, and, and that's not to say, again, us, us calling out this coaching staff and, and the offensive uh, staff in particular is not us saying Jay Johnson needs to be fired. That's not what we're saying. We're saying this needs to be addressed. 
We would exactly, love to exactly. see Jay Johnson be the person to address this, 100%. fix this, and we see this offense be much more successful moving forward this year, where we can go start winning games this year. But at some point, something's got to give. If we don't start to see things improving, Mel Tucker's got tough decisions to make. He's got to decide, does he step in and start to say, this is how you're going to run your offense from now on? Does he decide that he's not the person to be able to do that? Or does he decide, you know what? Jay Johnson's doing everything I'm asking of him. We need a different quarterback, or we need a different... That's the decisions Mel Tucker's sitting in his office, I can guarantee you right now, contemplating these decisions and what needs to be happening for this football team so that they can be successful the rest of this year as we move forward. Well, I'll tell you what. Whatever they decide to do, we better see the results on the field because that's what matters. I mean, with CU plays USC this Friday night at 7 o'clock. That's on ESPN, too. That's a big game. You talk about recruits. You talk about a match. Massive game for bringing new players in. This is not where you want to lay an egg. I mean, I understand. You just had two difficult games against Oregon, Washington State. If anything, wipe them clean. There were two road games. Let's get back to Boulder and play our style of football. CU's never beaten USC. Am I correct in that? That is correct. But they can show up. They can take them to the end. And, and frankly, we'll, we'll get to that game in a little bit. But I think, I think CU has a chance there. All right. Um. Well, uh, let's pump the brakes in terms of, I mean, CU's going to go route them. I know sometimes that, that's how some of these shows go. We're going to go into that game in, in some detail in a minute. But if C, if everything goes right for CU, I think I could see a bit of a letdown for USC. They had a big win last week against uh, Arizona. You don't, you never know with the, with the Clay Helton train. But... Before we get to there, uh, I know we talked about Brendan Rice, the receiver. You had a receiver or a uh, yeah. This is where about. I thought you were going with that when you brought up the big recruit. Um, I it kind of had slipped my mind. I, I love I love the the signing of Rice, but uh, I wanted to point out uh, I think a big time recruit that the the Buffs are bringing in, and that's Brendan Lewis. He's a dual threat quarterback out of uh, Melissa, Texas. Right now, he's uh, ranked the fifteenth overall dual quarterback in the country. There you go. Uh, comes in six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds. Um, and boy, just watching his highlights, he's exciting, he's fun, brings a little bit of a different element than what we've seen right now, and kind of going back to our conversation of what do you have beyond Steven Montez, this gives you a little bit of optimism that, you know what, maybe these guys are what, what, what he's looking for in Tyler Lytle, Blake Strenstrom, but you have somebody coming in that I think in Brendan Lewis is going to compete right away from day As one yeah. um, out, out of Texas. You know, he's playing high-level football there. So really excited about this guy, Brendan Lewis, uh, coming in next year in the 2020 class. All right, Jared, do you have anything you want to wrap up from last week before we move on to preview USC? I just want to, you know, we jumped really hard on this coaching staff, and I think rightfully so, but I do want to get this out there so so it's out on record. I'm not ready to jump ship on Mel Tucker and on this coaching staff, but they have to prove something. I think they have four or five games here the rest of the season to prove something to us that they can get more out of this team, that they can keep this team from quitting on them. Because right now, what we're seeing, it's not great. But I do still believe in Mel Tucker. I do believe in what he, what message he's bringing. I think we saw that in the offseason. He's bringing a different culture in here. It's just not quite showing up on the field. And we've got to see something out of the staff. This 100%. Year. I'm right there with you, man. Look, I want all these coaches to make it work and to stay. As we just mentioned, I'm not wishing anything. I don't want Jay Johnson to have to reroute his family again after all that. Look, I want this to work out for all these guys. And frankly... I'm nowhere close to jumping ship with Mel Tucker. I think we could have a lot of positive things in the future. But and, and this, I, I'm glad you said that, Jared, because I, again, want to distinguish the difference to, to the listeners. This is all just 
because you criticize someone, right? Because you have standards and you that doesn't mean we're jumping ship. That doesn't mean we're not watching. We're going to be cheering. We're, we're going for these guys. We want to succeed. Sometimes when 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 your son comes home and he got an F on a test, you got to be a little stern sometimes. I mean, that's life. That's love, actually, right? If that's we're right. not if we're not being stern with his coaching staff or Steve Montez, we're not doing our job as fans or as hosts, Jared. So if, if you hear Tyler and I coming in here after any given week and just say, "Yeah, whatever," they lost again. Move on to next week. That's when you got a problem. That's when we've given up on this team. A hundred percent. Could not agree more. And yeah, let's hope that this team turns things around quickly, Jared. I think they can. All right, special thanks to the Wise Listing System team online at paymyfirstmonth.com. And if you are moving, they will do just that. Look, moving can be such a hassle. So many things going on. You got to take everyone to school. And then after that, you're, you're packing boxes, you're working. When do you ever have to, have time to, to do anything, really? I mean, what they'll do at the Wise Listing System team, make the whole process simple. From step A to step Z, They'll make you sleep easier at night. And like I said, they're, like their website implies, they'll pay your first month's mortgage. I mean, how big can that be when you're spending money here, spending money there, whatever it is, right? If they're paying your first month, it's going to make it easier for you and the entire process seamless. Online pay my first month, the wise listing system team. Tell me you heard about them right here on the Buffs Nation podcast. Oh, we move forward, folks. There's lots of football left to be played. Five games, to be exact. Three in Boulder, two on the road. This Friday, 7 o'clock, ESPN2, USC taking on the Colorado Buffaloes. As I mentioned earlier, CU has never beaten USC, but folks, there's a first time for everything. I mean, come on now. Jared? What do we got to do? Unfortunately, not ideal getting them on a short week. Um, also, another nationally televised game. So <laughs> you're right in the focal point, Buffs. You know, you're, you're not hiding away from, from anybody on this one. So I, I think when you look at this team, it, it, it's been an up and down season for USC. But when you look at the games they've won, the games they've lost, they're playing very competitive football right now. And, yeah. and, and their three losses on the air at BYU, all always, on the road. All always on the, a tough team to play. I, I do want to point out before you go through these losses, yeah. uh, uh, USC currently on the year 4-3. and three. They're 4-0 at home. They're 0-3 on the road. So, Jerry, go ahead. Yep. yep. So, that first loss at BYU, lost by three points. They lost at Washington, who we know is a very tough team. They just took Oregon right down to the wire, which, man, I thought I had that one picked right. But, you know, <laughs> anyways, how that goes. Um, and, and and then uh, a loss at Notre Dame. Again, a very strong team. So, I really think that you're looking at USC right now. Pac-12 South uh, leaders right now, so that's well, how you got to treat them. There's no doubt about that. And honestly, if you're going to be be fair to everyone in the conference, they're the second best team in the conference this year, which shows how weak the Pac-12 is. But even if you look at the South right now, uh, Utah is 6-1, and one, but uh, their schedule does not even get close, not touch what USC has done. USC has played four, count them, four ranked teams this season. When they played Stanford, they were ranked. When they played, well, Utah. When they played Washington, they were ranked. Notre Dame's on their schedule. I mean, and coming up, they've got Oregon and Arizona. They could end the season playing more than half their games against ranked teams. That's that's rare. I mean, to, to contrast that to CU, the Buffs have played two ranked teams, number 25, Nebraska, and number 24, Oregon. Oh, I should actually say three. Number 13, Oregon's in there, too. So that's that's actually not, not too bad when you're comparing those two. But USC, don't take this team lightly. They played a lot of teams, very good schedule. The question is, I, I think this isn't so much for from USC's standpoint, 
X's and O's, talent, things like that. Because, folks, if, and I always like to play this game, is if, you know, Warren Buffett or someone offered each team, the winning team, every player on the team, for every point you win by, everyone on the team gets a million dollars. This may not go too well for the Buffs, right? right? The reason why I like this spot is USC is coming off a big win against Arizona. They're coming to high elevation Boulder where, frankly, they haven't played great in the past. Close games here in Boulder before. You start to combine all these things with the fact that CU is going to be hyper-motivated to make that statement. And everything kind of piles together to where maybe, Jared, if things go right... We could find a way to, to, to get this very good team or at least make things look good. And like I said for the other couple games, I'm not expecting a win here. I want to see a competitive team. I think this is actually that uh, kind of trap game for USC because coming up after this week, they host Oregon. Good point, good and, point. And, and what could you know ultimately be, depending on how that game goes, could be a rematch of what would end, uh, ultimately be the Pac-12 championship. So that's going to be a huge one for them looking forward. And, you know, CU's had, uh, at least from the fans, you haven't really heard it from, from Mel Tucker and his coaching staff, but you've had the excuse of all the injuries that they face. Well, they don't have that excuse this week because I think USC might actually have more injuries <laughs> right now than the CU buffs do. They've gone through three different quarterbacks on the year. They're right now down to their fourth and fifth string running backs. Their top uh, two defensive linemen have have been at least out, if not out, going into this game. They've had three cornerbacks out. So, I mean, the list goes on they and have, on and they on have from nine, them. Well, CU has uh, nine players right now on their injury report. To, to, to compare that to USC, the Trojans have 19 yeah. players on their injury report. They are playing with all backups right now, and I can hear everyone right now in their cars, Jared. Well, it's USC. Their backups are a lot better than ours. We have a, a bigger drop-off from our backup. That's fine. We're not saying our backups should go beat their backups. We're just saying if you're going to use injuries as an excuse, look across the field and see what they're dealing with. And, and if you read any L.A. newspapers or Twitter, any, you think anyone's talking about injuries? And that's my thing. I want this fan base to have that mentality of, yeah, next man up, right? So-and-so went down, that's fine. And it may take a couple years to get the talent level to where everyone's comfortable saying that, Jared, but there's no doubt about it. USC is more banged up than CU. And frankly, if you start to to compare CU and USC, when you have 19 guys who are injured compared to nine, you're getting into that third string range at some positions. So it's still not ideal for the Trojans, but CU is going to have an opportunity to capitalize on this, Jared. A couple linemen are out on offense. You're going to be able to get to the quarterback. Do you know if Keaton Slovis is still out? The... um uh, quarterback for USC. Do you have no, he down? he was back last week and okay. and looks to be uh, looks to be as the, the starter moving forward. So let let's start there with USC. Uh, a couple key players for USC who uh, CU is going to have to pay attention to, and the quarterback. Like I just said, Keaton Slovis banged up for much of the season, but man, when he has played, he's been effective. I think the number one most telling stat in college football is ac- is completion percentage. How accurate are you in college football? A, that's a great translator for the NFL. I mean, Jared, you're our NFL draft expert. That's one of the most important things, right? Is accuracy. Keaton Slovis this year, 73.6, almost 74% of his passes. He's completing 162.2 quarterback rating. And just to compare that to Montez last game, Montez had a 12.5. Okay. (laughs) Slovis for the year, 162.2 quarterback rating. And he's played four games. 
He's only been sacked nine times. That's not that often getting to the quarterback. Keaton Slovis has had his time to pick apart the defense this year, and he has done wonders. He's going to have to get after him if we're, if we're going to stay in this thing. Yeah, well, and, and you want to talk about the, the sacks they've let up, nine. Compare that to what CU right now on the season only has 11 as a defense. That ranks 98th, 98th in the country right now. So that kind of goes to tell you that USC is doing a pretty good job keeping their quarterbacks upright. And, uh, you know, Keenan Slovis, he's a freshman, guys. So this is this is a guy coming in there, jumps right in, and and has been successful even in his limited time there. So he's he's absolutely a threat. And and don't think he, if he goes down that you're getting any, anything less. Matt Fink has also been a great player for them, and he's had to come in. Yeah, and I think the freshman thing is really positive for Buffs fans because well, CU's getting a freshman quarterback in next year. And look across the country, the whole idea of let the freshman sit a couple years and. That's gone. That is so gone in 2019 Get college football. The exactly. Field. They come in and they play. And then if they're, you know, pretty good, they're gone in a couple of years. So, yeah, Keaton Slovis fits that bill. Freshman quarterback, very, very good. Colorado going to have to find a way to get after him. But then you start to go down the list of receivers. You say, okay. If CU's going to really get after Keaton Slovis, you may have to bring some extra pressure, which means a linebacker, maybe a nickelback, a cornerback, right? And what do you sacrifice? Because USC is very good at spreading the ball out all over the field. I would say, if anything, Jared, their receivers are, are, are great. Michael Pittman Jr., Tyler Vaughns. I mean, those are probably two yeah, NFL, NFL receivers right there. That's the biggest strength of this offense, no doubt, no doubt. is their receiving core. I, I would say for the first time actually in years, they don't have any real elite tight ends that CU needs to worry about. And that's where they've got the buffs in the past is that tight end position. Their best tight end this year, Eric, let me know if I'm wrong here, Eric... Kromenhoek? Kromenhoek? Ah, I'm going to try. Who cares? He's on USC. (laughs) No one's listening anyways. (laughs) Eric Kromenhoek, nine catches for 112 this year. That's it. And he's played in every game. So uh, other than these great receivers, I mean, CU really, I think if they're going to blitz, you got to do it with your linebackers. you got to bring them, if you will, out of position. And with a couple injuries up front for the offensive line, that's where CU's going to have their, I think if they're going to get after the quarterback, that's where they're going to find success. I don't love the whole idea of bringing cornerbacks. I think you should simplify everything right now. They've been struggling I, I way too much. I disagree. See, I disagree, and I think part of what the, uh, is forcing the, is causing this defense to struggle is they are so simple right now. And I get that you do have a yeah. lot of new guys, a lot yeah. of young guys. You don't want to throw too much at. But to me, I'm watching quarterbacks sit back in the pocket and just pick apart a defense that you have guys that just are not capable of hanging with receivers for that long. So how do you limit how long a, res- a, a cornerback or a defensive back has to stay with the receiver? You get after the quarterback. You force the ball out of his hands, and and right now, CU's just not getting that pressure from the, their front four. So they have got to find ways to manufacture pressure on this quarterback. I think you need to do some zone blitzes where maybe you're not blitzing more than four guys, bringing more than four guys, but maybe you drop a defensive lineman where right. they don't see a guy. You know, I haven't seen too much of that trickery this year. Uh, no, on defense. really, not at all. And and I think that's part of what is allowing these offenses the last two weeks to just sit back and pick apart what the do Buffs are doing. You, do you know how much? Mel Tucker is a part of the defensive game plan. 
No, I don't. I really don't. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and just make an assumption that he's very involved. And I, I don't. He's not calling the plays, but I think in the actual implementation of the game plan and and how you're approaching the game, I, I, I want to say this is probably Mel Tucker's baby more than yeah. it is Tyson Summers. Because we've seen a lot of base, you know, a lot of just which is interesting. Because when you look back at what he did at Georgia, it, that was not the case. He did a lot of creative things, and I think right now he understands. He he just can't throw too much at his guys but at some point or another if you're making it too easy for an offense to, to pick you apart you, you got to do something look, different. look there's a learning curve obviously I mean think about any job right think about if you've worked at at Google for 10 years and you're around all these great you know Google facilities and you have access to the cafeteria and, and all these computers and you're you're riding segways around and then maybe you get hired to go manage some brand new tech firm in Palo Alto, right? Or in, in San Jose, wherever. And then you move there and it's it's the bottom basement of a brick hotel. You're 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 it, there's gonna be a learning curve, right? Because let's face it. Mel Tucker has been used to working at the Google of that analogy, right? For a I mean, long he's been time. with Alabama and Georgia and the cream of the crop in college football. This is probably the first time in his career he's like, oh, wow. Like, this is what's this is a culture shock, a professional shock. I think overall, Mel Tucker has been hit and knocked down the last couple of weeks. Now it's his turn to bounce back up. And if, I mean, Jared, if there's one coach right now in the Pac-12, I mean, come on. That's I don't know this guy that well yet. We don't really know how he's going to adapt to some of the failures. But if there is one guy, don't you just get that from him? Don't you just feel that he's going to be able to get CU at least out of this rut and you're going to expect effort in these upcoming games? Isn't that what you expect from him? I, I do expect it, and I'll tell you right now that, that that's – I mean, it's really what it's going to take. It's going to have to be some guys that really play outside of their level of play that we've seen. He's going to have to find a way to get this defense motivated. I'm just picturing in my head uh, the, the scene from Remember the Titans. Was like, <laughs> they will not gain another yard. You know what I mean? So I'm just picturing him getting in his guy's face like that and really motivating him that way. I forget who it was that got, uh, I think he got booted for punching someone a few weeks ago. Um, our transfer, uh, Juco transfer tight end from Auburn. Oh, uh, uh, uh you can, Harris. Uh, you, can you check that for me? Yeah, I'm looking on it. Okay. So he gets ejected. Uh, this was a couple weeks ago, and Mel Tucker, for the first time, I think since he's gotten here, he lit him up. He went over, and the the camera was on the back of his head. Um, and, and and so you couldn't see what he was saying or anything, but he was digging into him. Who is it? Uh. I'm working on it, dude. No, these, Jared, this technology these days, man. Do I need to? Do I need to do this here? No. I, I mean, I can. Find no, it's it got to bring everything seconds. up on the internet. You know, I've got a PDF right here with it, and it just it doesn't want to give it to me. All right, we got it right here. See, I'm faster than you, anyways. Jalen Harris. I said it right from the start. No, you did. I said Harris. <laughs> <laughs> you did say Harris. How slow are you over there, that computer? I, I that literally took me. What eight seconds to do? Five seconds, dude. You're I, an old man, yeah, Jared. This technology's <laughs> running right by me. Folks. So Jalen Harris, who by the way, he's been a disappointment this year. Coming into the season, this is this has kind of been. I promise we'll get back to USC's uh, players to watch here in a second. But now that we're on this, CU had two tight ends coming into the year, and all I heard out of camp was our specialty will be the fact that we have two tight ends who can compete. And who can produce? Well, Brady Russell's done pretty good so far. 14 catches through seven games. 9.8 yards a catch. He's got a touchdown. That's okay. And Jalen Harris, their other tight end, seven catches. So it's like, 
what happened to this whole strength that the Buffs had before the year? Jalen Harris, I think, is the biggest disappointment. A lot was made that he came from Auburn, but sometimes you got to look deeper than that. It's not just about, well, he came from Auburn. Well, there's obviously a reason Auburn didn't play the guy, you know? So I've not been impressed with Jalen Harris, but getting back to my point full circle here, he got tossed a couple weeks ago for throwing a punch, and Mel Tucker did not like it, lit into him. I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that emotion with his guys. I think there's too much cool hand Luke out there. I think I think there's too much cool Mel Tucker. I don't love that all the time. To me, that, that comes across as complacency. So... All right, let's get back to some of these USC players, huh, Jared? Is that okay if we do some of the USC? Yeah, players? yeah, we certainly have a few players <laughs> to to uh, dive into. We obviously here. talked about their quarterback, a few of their, their, of their receivers. They're mainly going to be producing on the outside. I mentioned Michael Pittman Jr., Tyler Vaughns. Uh, you know, that, that's pretty much it in terms of the receiving game, but the rushing game. Um, Javare, God, this looks like I know a, it's bad. It's, it's tough. It's like doing. It's like when I used to call hockey games. It's like doing <laughs> a hockey roster here. Vive Malapai, uh, eighty-seven carries, uh, four touchdowns on the year. He's their number one back. But then they have two guys behind him. And real quick, I'm gonna throw carries. in there. Yeah, go ahead, Vive, whatever the hell his name is, uh, out <laughs> indefinitely right now. He just had knee surgery last week. How about so that, he will not be out on the field. You don't have to worry about remembering that name. Okay, good. So. Seemingly, what we've seen this year up to up to this point in the season, they uh, being USC, they will split carries between Marquise Step and Stephen Carr. These two each have forty. Excuse me, one has forty-eight uh, attempts, the other has forty-seven, but they're right there, neck and neck. Essentially, the same workload through the season. So you'd probably expect a one-to-one ratio, maybe slightly off if they had identify something that the Buffs do that they can take take advantage of. But mainly, it's going to be those two guys. They don't have a whole lot of talent in terms of running back. Now, they both can't catch the football, but I think if you're talking running game, the one thing you have to keep uh, pay attention to is Keaton Slovis. He's run the ball 23 times. They work sacks, sack yards into these I stats. hate that they do that in college. It they, makes it so confusing. Don't they do that in the NFL, too? No, uh, it gets, it gets uh, categorized differently oh. in the NFL, and, and, and maybe it's just that they separate it out so you don't see it on the lazy uh, yeah. college statistician stat keepers. But anyway, uh, he's, he's a, a threat in the running game, and... Unlike you know some quarterbacks who can run, this is a quarterback who will run and who they will design runs for. So watch out for Keaton Slovis too out of the backfield. But overall, Jared, this is a USC team that just kind of does it collectively. There's not one player, right? Like when they had Juju Smith-Schuster or something like that. There's not any one guy, which is great for the Buffs. So in terms of shutting down one guy, I think it's pretty easy. You just make sure you stop the quarterback. As long as Keaton Slovis doesn't have a great day, this defense has a chance to gain some momentum, right? To start playing the right way, to start getting that confidence and say, look, maybe we had a couple losses, but we got USC at home. A turnover will spark that. A sack will spark that. And again, the fact that they don't have to really zero in on anybody, especially with Vave Malapai, Jr. the third, out for USC, they're really going to have their pickings at what they want to do on defense. Yeah, and I think for this Buffs defense that has just absolutely struggled the last few weeks, you, you, you got to understand that I don't expect to see a shutout from the CU defense. You're going to give up points. Yeah. That is that is inevitable with the amount of talent, especially on the outside. I think the key is you have to come up with key stops on key downs. You can't give up those third and longs. You can't give up those big 20, 30-yard plays. You have to keep this 
uh, offense for USC honest. You have to make them earn every point they get against you. Try to, you know, show me that you can shut a team down when they get in the red zone. Something that CU Buffs defense has not done well this year. So you got to get this team, keep them from just piling on ports on you. If this team, if USC gets up to 35, 40 points, I just don't see CU being able to hang with them in this one. Well, Jared mentioned that CU's defense has to do a good job in the red zone, and that leads us to CU's offense. Now let's look at how the CU offense matchups against matches up against USC's defense, and we'll start right there in the red zone. Whenever the Buffs find their find the ball close to the red zone or in the red zone, gotta find a way to score. That has to be key. Too many turnovers this year in the red zone, many of them interceptions, right? I and I've been a big proponent for years that interceptions should be in two different categories, kind of like the quarterback rushing stats, right? There should be interceptions on your side of the field, and then there should be interceptions on the other team's side of the field, because an interception on your own 30-yard line that you throw 40 yards down the field is the same as a punt. Yes. That shouldn't be looked at as Montez is throwing off the back foot into the end zone on the 20-yard line. Twice! 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 It's ridiculous. So, that's what I'm talking about. When you get the ball down to the red zone, there has to be a poise. There has to be an element of and a field goals are okay. Now you don't want to live for a field goal and just run it three times and kick, but you have to play smarter. And that's going to be uh, and we've said this I'm 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 getting on repeat here Groundhog Day. I'm not necessarily looking for a 28 nothing win. I'm not even looking for a 28-27 win. I just want to see the right football being played, not turning it over in the end zone, the defense playing well in the end zone, right? Not so many penalties and we'll get there, but the main thing in the red zone, don't turn the ball over and get points. You can't sacrifice points against USC. Watching Steven Montez is a little bit of a flashback to me to play in the NCAA football game where you, you get a little <laughs> cute on the goal line and then everyone's covered and you, you hit panic. You just and hit you one just of the toss buttons. It up. You just, you, you just toss it right, up. <laughs> and that's what happens. Like, And here's my, again, my, my point with Montez, and this is the, the debate and the crossroads that I always inevitably get to in the Steven Montez conversation is is it Montez or is it the coaching staff? Because you, again, figure if he did that two games ago at Oregon, aren't they pounding it into his head? Don't throw that ball! And he threw the ball. So, again, I wasn't in the quarterback room. I don't know if they told him that, but you assume they didn't just let it go. You assume that J.D. Johnson, that's ah, okay, he'll get him next time. They have to be telling him these things. And he's still making the same mistakes, Jared. So, that's the biggest thing. Montez... Keep a cool head. Don't just toss it up in the red zone. We need to score when we get the opportunity. And James Stefano, he's missed a couple of kicks in a row now. That was to be expected. You didn't think he's going to end the season 20 for 20. That's fine. You get those misses out of the way. He's now 11 for 14 on the season. Very much a better kicker at home than on the road. This is where you take advantage of James Stefano. And if you do get it close to the red zone, again, don't play for the kicks, but don't shoot yourself in the foot. Um, while we are on the kickers, Jared, USC's kicker has not missed a kick all season long. He's 8-for-8 eight eight in field goals, 27-for-27 27 27 in extra points. So you're telling me he's due for a miss. <laughs> hey, huh? hey, there we go. The old he's due defense. All right, so, I mean, I don't think we have to spend that much time on Montez. I think our point has been made this show. What we want to see, well, I won't speak for you, what I want to see for Montez is improvement. And this is weird to be saying for a senior in his seventh game of his senior year, but that's where we are, folks. I want to see Steven Montez not throw off his back foot. I want to see some simple quarterback mechanics. I just want to see him deliver a couple passes. When's the last time? Think about everyone out there driving right now. Think about the last time you remember seeing Steven Montez step into a hit as he got thrown or as he threw the football, right? 
It's it's, it's been, few and far between. It's been and and even Tyler here. watching the the game on TV the, with the ESPN announcers th- this weekend, they were calling it out left and right. Oh wow, that went off of his back foot. Exactly. You see how that sails on him? That you know. And I don't listen to the telecast, obviously, but Gary Barnett, same thing. And, and, and you can tell how frustrated Barnett's getting with Montez when Justin Herbert. This was two weeks ago against Oregon. When Justin Herbert stepped into a throw, it was about a 25-yard touchdown throw. Nate Landman was coming up the middle fast, hot, right? And instead of rolling out or ducking or... He stepped into the throw. He got hit pretty hard. He made he threw the ball on a dime. You know what Gary Barnett's response was? Wish we had a quarterback who would do that. Yeah, you know? He's not wrong. He's not. And so that's what you want to see is these small improvements. And hell, Jared, I'll live with no turnovers in the red zone. Just don't shoot us. Just give this team a chance, Montez. So I'm going to get worked up again, but we can move off the quarterback yeah. after you add your piece here. Uh, no, I actually am going to I'm going to change the page a little bit here. And okay. what I want to see mostly out of this offense is I want to see a concerted effort to get Alex Fontenot, make him a bell cow back. I want to see 25, 30 touches. I think Alex Fontenot is one of the biggest stars on this offense. I think he has a very bright future, and I think this offense should start leaning on him to get them in a groove that, that, that's been a weakness of this USC defense, stopping the run this year, so you should have your opportunities there. Get the ball in the hands of your playmaker. I want to see that very obvious from snap one in this game, that there's a concerted effort to get the ball in Alex Fontenot's hands and a concerted effort to get the ball in LaVisca Chenault's hands and try to take some of that pressure off off of Steven Montez and the rest of this offense. See, I, I agree that you got to get Fontenot going, but you can't do it on the on the when you're risking production from the receivers. And that's one thing that I've grown to learn and where my opinions now are with this CU football team, your best players are receivers. Right, Katie Nixon, Tony Brown, LaVisca Chenault, quarterback Dimitri struggling Stanley. the way he is. But, but, but Jared I'm not talking. Then that goes to offensive coordinator calling plays. I want to see more tunnel screens. I want to see more screen passes. I want to see more. Right? It's just get it to them. I don't care how you do it. Just get them the foot. Uh, bring in Lavisca Chenault uh, in the in the in the Wildcat yes. once a series. Like there are different things you can do to get the ball in the receivers' hands quickly. Jet sweeps. There are so many. So. Yes, I want to see Fontenot go get going because if you don't have a running back who, who's who's going, the rest of your offense is going to struggle. But I think that you do that after you start feeding the receivers, and and I think that has to be priority number one. Get the ball into Tony Brown's hands, Lavisca Chenault, Katie Nixon, Dimitri Stanley, and even that means Alex Fontenot out of the backfield. I'm fine with that. Throw him the football out of the backfield, but. In general, I think you got to focus on these receivers. It's the best part of your team. Maybe one of the best units in the Pac-12. You've got to utilize them more. Um, Jared, you got anything else you want to add for CU's offense here? I mean, look, Montez went through some of these receivers we went through. You want to get Fontenot going? I mean, anything specific? You want to see more from uh, uh, Brady Russell this game? Offensive line issues? No, I, I really think we've we've wrapped that up offensively. I think I think it's I pretty, pretty clear and obvious what the Buffs need to do in this one. Look, CU just needs to come into this game, focus on not making mistakes, not shooting yourselves in the foot. And again, we've said this time and time. How many times are we going to repeat ourselves, Jared? We don't expect to win this weekend. We expect to see a team improve. And I think CU's got a chance to stay in this game, to make it a competitive football game. Jared, I'll give my prediction first. 
I'm not going to get caught up on, I know this is called the Buffs Nation podcast, but at some point we start to sound disingenuous if we're always picking the Buffs. I did think that they could compete with Oregon, even though I picked them there. Last week I certainly was not trying to pull a Stephen A. Smith. I thought they could go into Washington State and probably get a win. They should have looked better last week. This is a different game. CU's never beaten USC. I think CU keeps it close. I think that the Trojans maybe get out of here with a win, 28-27. If we see that kind of a game, I will be thrilled with the Buffs and... If it is that kind of a game, that means they have a chance to win it in the end. So give me a tight game there, high 20s for each team, but the Trojans probably get the W here. I, I don't really disagree with any of your logic there. I, I don't see the score quite as close in this one, but I do think it will be a close game back and forth. I have I got USC winning this one 34-21, and I, I really think that's more of an indication right now that I, I really do think it's going to be a struggle for this Buffs defense really to hold. So if you can hold this USC team, you know, under 30 points, I think you take that as, as a win right there. You, you, you see this offense get going, get some of their playmakers going, but like we talked about earlier in the show, I just want to see a team come out there and, and show they have the fight, be competitive, and, and this is a team that you can absolutely go up and surprise. I don't think either of us are, 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 are believing that they're going to go get a win, but that that's not out of my mind. I don't think that the, 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 there's no chance for the bus to go get a win here. I think if they do all the things that they – can do well, get a, a few bounces their way, you never know where this goes. Well, and that's exactly right. And, and that's that's the thing, as we talked about this earlier, and this is what I do as a uh, sports better and as a handicapper, you look for situations, right? On a neutral field with that million-dollar incentive, the, the fake scenario I gave earlier, of course that's one thing, right? But USC traveling to Boulder, high altitude, you don't know what it's like right now with Clay Hell and a lot of question marks in that building. They got a big win last week, and what does that mean? I know, I know a lot of people hear that and they go, uh, that's a negative, Tyler. They got a big one. We lost. Well, it's about motivation. There's a chance now to take your foot off the gas a little bit. You're feeling fat and happy. You're going into a CU team that's now lost three out of the last four games. There's a very good chance. USC looks at this game as, oh, whatever. We got Oregon next week. Let's move on. And, and this is a very, very good opportunity to stun USC in Boulder. Let's go Buffs Friday night, 7 o'clock. And uh, that does it for this week's show. Remember to find us on anywhere podcasts are played. Give us a rating and also give us a like on Facebook. We'll talk to you next week on the Buffs Nation podcast.